Five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast in partnership with Kidney Care UK, sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love. Hi, and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. My name is Dee Moore, and I am a kidney warrior. This podcast is dedicated to encourage, educate, and inspire as we explore all aspects of kidney disease, related chronic illnesses, and health. If you have any questions or ideas for topics you would like me to cover, please get in contact with me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. My guest today from London, England, is Clinical Lead Occupational Therapist for the Renal and Urology Team, Lisa Ancliffe. Lisa is passionate about raising awareness of the role of occupational therapy within renal health. Lisa sits on multiple local and national committees with the aim of improving health and well-being of people living with kidney disease. Lisa joins me today to share about occupational therapy and chronic kidney disease. Hi, and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. How are you doing today, Lisa? Hi, great. Thanks very much for having me. Now, for anybody who doesn't know, anybody who's listening, my day job is actually in occupational therapy. So I am super excited today to talk about two areas of passion for me, which is occupational therapy and, of course, CKD, chronic kidney disease or renal, whichever term you prefer. But yes, I'm really excited because we're going to be talking about two things that I absolutely love and adore. So everybody is welcome to the podcast, but this is like an extra special welcome to you, Lisa. So yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to our interview today. Thank you very much. Got a lot to talk about. I wanted to start from the very beginning because occupational therapy is quite often an area that very few people know much about when they hear the term occupational therapy they don't know what it is, or if they have heard of occupational therapy, they've only heard of a specific type of occupational therapy. And so I always like to start off with the basics and the groundwork and build on that. So what is occupational therapy? Well, I guess it's going back to your point about starting at the beginning. I think it's about explaining the term occupational therapy, because I think you're right, people hear that and they don't really know what to expect. I think a lot of other professions, people have a baseline understanding that if somebody says they're a doctor, if somebody says they're a physiotherapist, even if they haven't come into contact, they probably have an idea about certain things that that person's going to do. But I think if people hear occupational therapy, unless they've actually experienced that themselves, there's no clue into what that is. And I have people guessing a whole range of things. People ask me if I'm a career counsellor, things like that, because they hear occupation and then they just think about jobs. So what we mean when we're talking about occupation in terms of occupational therapy is just basically any activity that somebody does as part of their life. So the Royal College of Occupational Therapy defines it as just people being able to live their best life, do the things that are important to them. And so as occupational therapists, we're just helping to facilitate that for people. So help them do the things that they want to be able to do, identify any barriers that are stopping them and working out together how to overcome those barriers. In the context of renal or kidney disease, what is occupational therapy? So it's still working on that basic concept of what somebody wants to be able to do day to day as part of their life. In the context of kidney disease, 
you know, we know that having kidney disease and different treatments for kidney disease can have a massive impact on somebody's life. There can be a lot of changes coming in. So at its basic terms, occupational therapy within renal is trying to minimize the effect that the disease or the treatment is having on somebody's life and making sure that they're still able to do the things that they want to be able to do. So how do you as an occupational therapist go about minimizing the impact of the disease? It will very much be on an individual basis. So I think this is why sometimes people can get a bit overwhelmed with occupational therapy, because depending on the specific person and their needs, there can be a whole range of things that can be done. So if I maybe just pull out a few examples, and that might help just to give a bit of an understanding. So you might have somebody who is admitted to hospital, maybe because they've been unwell, maybe they've had an operation or a surgery. So within that context, occupational therapy might be aiming to get that person back home again. And depending on what's brought them into hospital, again, reducing down that impact on their life. And so we we might be providing rehabilitation. So working with them to build up any strength that they've lost since they've been unwell or depending on the surgery, trying to get back anything that they've lost. If we aren't able to get them back to what the level they were before, then we might be looking at some compensatory things. So things that are going to fill the gap of what they're not able to do themselves. So that might be putting in some additional support at home. So whether that is through carers coming and helping them with day-to-day activities again, like washing and dressing, making their breakfast, that type of thing. It might be supporting their family to provide some additional support and just giving some education and training so that they feel confident in how to support that person. It might be providing some equipment or some aids that allow somebody to do something themselves, but just makes it a little bit easier for them. There's a whole range of different aids that have been developed for different things. So it might be something like just putting a frame around the toilet that gives someone something to hold on to, to help them stand up and sit down. And then we might also be doing some goal setting, working out what that person wants to be able to achieve. Again, what's important to somebody. And we will do what we can to get them out of hospital. And then it might be that we're doing some onward referrals to teams in the community to continue on that work, because sometimes people just need time to work towards things. So I guess that's one example from an acute hospital perspective. People with kidney disease might be accessing services another way. So we might have somebody who is a hemodialysis patient and they're coming in to a unit three times a week to have their dialysis. So it might be that we are trying to utilize that time and allow them to tolerate the dialysis a bit better. So we might do some relaxation sessions or some mindfulness. We might be able to help them do different activities during the dialysis that just makes that time a bit more meaningful to them rather than just lying there or having a sleep, as well as still doing the other things that we did when they were in hospital. We're still kind of looking at how they're managing at home, finding out if they're starting to struggle with anything and then coming up with solutions to help them do what they want to be able to do. But then there's a lot of other specific things. You know, we can do seating assessments, so make sure that people have the right positioning to make sure that they're comfortable. We can help with transport needs in terms of how they get to and from dialysis. Do they need support up and down stairs when they go home? We can be doing symptom management. So quite often people might be struggling with fatigue, so kind of extreme feelings of tiredness where it's kind of stopping them being able to do things day to day. Or they might be struggling to sleep, so they might be not sleeping well. So there's different interventions that we can do to try and lessen the impact of those things on people's day-to-day lives. So there's a whole scope of things that we do. 
but the underlying aim is always really to improve somebody's life and to kind of allow them to do the things that they want to be able to do and that are important to them. And it's always a very joint effort. So it's not for us telling people what they need to be doing or what the answers are, but it's working together to find out what's important to somebody and then together working out the best way forward. So we always say it's person-centered. So we're putting the person at the center of everything that we do and making sure that anything we do is in line with what their wishes are. So what are the challenges that kidney patients face? Can occupational therapists support them with? I think if we're thinking about, if I use the example of people who are attending dialysis sessions three times a week as well, if we think about the burden that can have, you know, that's a lot of time that we've mentioned before about, you know, coming in three times a week, four hours. But it also means that the time that they're not at dialysis is very precious time. So it can be a struggle for them to access other services, you know, that somebody might be able to access at home because the days that they're not at dialysis, they want to have that time to see their friends, see their family, rest, recover. So the benefits, I think, of having occupational therapy working within renal is that we can be seeing them when they come in for dialysis. So we're really utilizing that dialysis time to the best effect. So not only, you know, maybe facilitating some activities to make it more enjoyable, but also using that session to do some of the assessments or interventions that traditionally might be done at home but we're using that time so that they've got everything done once they leave dialysis they've actually got free time and they're then having to see another health professional and you know fill up their entire week with appointments it's about realizing that their time is precious so trying to use it as effectively as possible that sounds really good because so much of your time is taken up by medical appointments if the time you are there is what's the word, monopolised on, so to speak, then you're definitely getting the best out of the time that you're there. And then, like you said, having your free time is then your free time. Absolutely. And I think it comes back to, as I said, trying to reduce down the impact that kidney disease is having on somebody's life. So that's looking at symptoms, but that's also just looking at the time management side of things as well, that it's not taking more time of their life than it needs to. That sounds really amazing because you've got so many different things that you've got to come to terms with and deal with as a kidney patient on an emotional level and on a physical level. So to hear that there's support there to help people get back on their feet, I'm sure anyone listening is just like, wow, why did I not know about this? This is truly amazing. And there seems to be a bit of a crossover in terms of psychology and physiotherapy in terms of building up people's strengths and supporting people in terms of how they feel. So do you work in partnership with physiotherapists and psychologists as well in terms of what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So we're classed as being dual trained in occupational therapy. So we do have the skills to work across both mental health and physical health. And so what we're looking at is that holistic assessment. So we're looking at the whole picture of somebody's life and how it all interacts together, as I said, for how they manage day to day. But we do work very closely with our colleagues and other professions. So whether that is physiotherapists when we're doing rehabilitation sessions, whether that is liaising with our psychology colleagues to know, you know, what we're able to manage ourselves, what needs a bit more specific support from somebody who's got a different set of skills whether it's with social workers, there's a whole range. So we're kind of a jack of all trades, but we are also using the skills of all our team around us. And I think people who have kidney disease, we know that 
you know, there's complex things that are affecting them. And so there's not one kind of one size fits all, or there's not one profession that's going to be able to fix all of the issues. So I think in general, for people who have kidney disease, it's really important that we have access to a range of professionals to be able to support them because it's all those pieces of the puzzle coming together that hopefully will then result in an overall outcome of somebody feeling better able to manage and and lessening that impact on their life. But close working with our colleagues is very important. So in terms of the service that is available, what can people living with kidney disease, kidney patients expect? As I said, I think in terms of when somebody might want to access occupational therapy, it comes back to if there's anything that they want to be able to do that they're not able to do, that would be kind of a red flag to say that it might be worth having an assessment. Or if there's certain aspects of either their treatment or the disease that's impacting them. So it might be that they're experiencing certain symptoms. So they might be starting to have poor sleep. They might be suffering from fatigue. So, you know, extreme tiredness but if there's any of these things that are impacting on their day-to-day life then they would benefit from an occupational therapy assessment and so when we get asked to see somebody wherever that is whether that's in the dialysis unit at home in hospital the first thing we would do is get a real comprehensive idea of that person and their life we call it an initial interview but it's basically sitting down with that person and asking a whole range of questions to find out I mean, we're probably a little bit nosy, but it's finding out everything about their life, really. So where do they live? Who do they live with? What's their support network around them? What's the environment that they live in? You know, are they in a house, in a flat, rented accommodation? We'll go into very specific detail about what's the layout of your house? You know, where's everything located? We want to find out how they normally do things. What support do they already have to help them? But also, as I said, what is it that they're struggling with? So that gives us the picture of, as I said, the environment that somebody is in, what resources they have around them to support already and what their struggles are or what it is that they would like some support with. Because without that information, we're kind of a bit blind then knowing how to help them. So we really want to get to know that person because, as I said, it's a very individual thing, you know, somebody's life, how they live it. People don't do everything the same way. They don't live the same way. They have different values. So it's not a one size fits all. We want to get to know that person all about them and then we can be in the best position to help them. So it's, as I said, it's very much led by the person telling us their story of their life and what they would like help with. And then we would move forward to kind of a functional assessment. So when we're talking about that, we want to see what they're able to do now. So what is their mobility like? Are are they able to walk around? Is there anything limiting that? Are they having falls? Are they able to get up, get washed, get dressed, make their meals? Are they able to do the activities they want to be able to do? How are they doing that? Because if we find out how they want to be able to do things, how they're actually able to do things, then we can see that gap in the middle. And then we can start thinking about how do we bridge that gap to allow them to do what they want to be able to do. So it really is about the whole person and getting them back on their feet as much as possible. But what if somebody turns around and says, oh, you're being a bit too nosy. I don't want to talk about that. What do you do then? Depends on the situation. I mean, obviously, the whole idea is that, you know, we want somebody to feel comfortable enough to talk to us. So we would be explaining why we're asking the information because you're right, sometimes it can be quite confronting. Suddenly, some stranger turning up and asking you your deepest, darkest secrets about how you live your life. So we very much at the start would be introducing ourselves, introducing our role, why we're asking what we're asking. 
and you know how we might be able to help somebody to hopefully then that might encourage them that we're using that information in their best interest and to help them if there's certain things that they don't want to talk about we're you know we're not bullies we don't want to force them to do that so we would just work with the information that we do have to come up with you know the plan moving forward again in collaboration with that person about what they want to achieve but usually if you're able to explain why you're asking what you're asking people usually then can see that you're doing it kind of for their benefit and are usually happy to but as i said we would never force somebody to tell information that they're either not ready to or that they don't want to um it might be that if they just don't feel comfortable discussing it with us that we can signpost and maybe to somebody else that they might feel more comfortable talking to or it might be just a certain thing that we put on hold we keep working with them and maybe further down the line after they've got to know us a bit we've developed a bit of a relationship further down the line they might then feel a bit more comfortable to tackle a certain issue that initially they didn't want to I'm aware that occupational therapy service unfortunately isn't available in every hospital or every health service and so what can you do as a kidney patient if that is the case So I think definitely occupational therapists that are specializing in renal is quite rare at the moment. Give us a few years and we'll hopefully change that and we're aiming to take over the world, but people might struggle to be able to find specific renal occupational therapists. I would hope for the most part people should be able to access occupational therapy even if that's more of a generic caseload that they cover. So people can either if they're in hospital they should be able to ask the doctors or ask the ward nurses for an occupational therapy referral if they're at home they can either contact their gp for support with referrals or they can even contact their local social services and request an ot assessment so if they're not sure of how to do that if they basically the area that they live in if they're more a family members able to google whatever the area is adult social services it will come up with usually a contact number and they can just call that number and they can self refer so it doesn't have to come from a professional although GPs will be able to support if required so i would hope for the most part they would be able to access some form of occupational therapy to a degree but i guess if there was something that was missing it would still be linking in with your social services linking in with your GP to finding out what services are available in that area and it might be that there's some other profession so it might be that they can have a physiotherapy assessment so at least they can have a look at their strength and get them a bit better on the legs or reduce their falls risk or it might be that they can see a social worker who could arrange some additional support so it might be just rather than having one person kind of doing that holistic assessment and identifying all the different areas it might be that they just need to see a few different people but they should still be able to get that support but i think in general the gp is a good point of contact to help know what's available because unfortunately we do know that availability of services not just ot but just health services in general can differ depending on where somebody lives so the gp should know what is available and help kind of signpost to the most appropriate services for that person but otherwise adult social care will usually be able to do a bit of a triage again work out what support that person might need and link them into the appropriate service so if anyone wants to find out more information about occupational therapy where online can they find more information So probably a good place to start would be the Royal College of Occupational Therapists website so that's the professional body for occupational therapy in the UK and they do have a public facing website that has information about occupational therapy what it is 
what it can do in different areas, you know, adults versus children versus mental health. And it also has a list of private occupational therapists if people don't have access to something maybe through the NHS or social services where they live in but would like to access something it has a list of private OTs and it also has a contact there that if they did want more information they could contact somebody who would get back to them so that's probably a good place to start. Do you have a final word for the listeners? I think in general it's just being aware that occupational therapy exists and what it can do because as I said it is a growing area in renal and I think we should be asking for these services and if we don't have it available in our area then asking why not and trying to show that there's a need for it because I think going back to the Royal College of Occupational Therapists they have a report that they released a few years ago that was called Living Not Existing and I think that really sums up quite nicely what we're aiming to do. We want somebody to have a life that's full, meaningful, what they want it to be. We don't want people just surviving day to day. We want it to be a full and healthy, holistic life. So it's about knowing that we're here, knowing what we can do to help you, asking for a referral, asking what's available in your area. And if it's not available, asking why not and trying to build that momentum to show that there's a need so that we can grow this and provide this service to everybody and hopefully help everybody to live the best lives that they can really. Thank you so much for joining me and for sharing about, like I said, my two passions, finally coming together and being combined for sharing about occupational therapy and chronic kidney disease. Thank you so much for the information that you've shared. And I'm sure this has given so much hope and so much insight and will help so many people. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. And don't forget that you can contact me on social media using the handle diary of a kidney warrior please do subscribe to the podcast and please do tell a friend new episodes of this podcast are released every other monday until next time take care and choose to live diary of a kidney warrior sharing faith knowledge hope and love